Hello and welcome to the Social Work Sessions with myself, Carolyn Smith, Principal Social Worker for Adults from Somerset Council. Social Work Sessions is a podcast that makes space for conversations about social work with adults. A podcast to support your learning, reflection and exploration of contemporary issues in practice. So welcome to today's episode of the Social Work Sessions. I'm really excited today to be having a conversation um, with Bryony Shannon. And I've been following Bryony's blog for quite some time, so you may well be familiar with it. Uh, so Bryony's blog is uh, Rewriting Social Care, Words That Make Me Go And those of you that know me will know that I'm really interested in language, in social care. So I'm really excited to be having this conversation today. So before I say any more, I'm going to go over to Bryony and let Bryony introduce herself. So hi, Bryony. Really good to see you. Hi, hi, Kevin. Uh, really lovely to see you too. And uh, thank you so much for inviting me to come on and have a chat with you today. Um, so in terms of introduction, I never know how to introduce myself. Like, <laughs> I don't like labels, so I don't like attaching them to myself. Yes. Um, but in terms of my work, I um, work as strategic lead for practice development um, at Doncaster Council um, in the social care department. I've been there for, I don't know, two and a half years or so. Um, and I also am um, working alongside Social Care Future um, around their community of practice, really looking at kind of working with councils who are really trying to embed the Social Care Future vision um, into practice and, and make that real for um, people in their areas and also doing some work with Think Low Flat Personal around language as well um, and really trying to kind of shift the whole narrative around social care. So, so lots. Lots going on, and also writing my blog and a book, <laughs> and a book as well. This is on the back of your blog, isn't it? It is. Yeah, yeah. So it's yeah. So it's pretty much a book off the blog, um, but sort of expanding, kind of taking taking the blogs and kind of weaving them together a bit more, so they sort of tell a bit of a story. And um, yeah, it's good actually. It's been really nice to sort of revisit, reread some of the blogs, and kind of think they've been writing them for about four years now. So sort of looking at how kind of my thinking's changed maybe or what I've learned in that time and yeah, yeah just, just yeah it's, so it's exciting it's, it's good it's really exciting that you've got a book coming out do you know when it's going to be available no not for a while I think it's um it's due with the publishers um in end of March and then yeah. all the editing and everything I think takes a while and then the publishing so I think it's going to be probably March 2025, which sounds a long time. <laughs> it does, but it'll come around really quickly, won't I know, it? I know. Yeah. So I need to, I need to get writing. Basically, I'll keep writing. I've done quite a bit already, but yes, yeah, quite, yeah. quite a bit, Steve. So oh, that's something for everyone to uh, to look out for when your book comes out, Bryony. And yeah, uh, nice plug. <laughs> if the if the podcast is still going, then maybe we'll get you back again and uh, oh. um, and talk a little bit about about your book and. You know the, the way that your thinking has uh, maybe developed over over the time since you've been writing the blog. So anyway, let's let's get straight down to the blog. I mean, I'm I'm really keen about how it came to, to find out how it came about in the first place. What was it that that motivated you to start writing the blog? Um, that's a really good question. I think I mean having thoughts about the book actually. I was thinking the other day how I've I've kind of always written stuff down to try and make sense of the world. As those from being quite young, I had I got bought a diary, five year diary when I was really little, and oh. kind of wrote like really tiny sort of four lines a day. But I wrote that kind of for the five years, and then that kind of evolved into writing diaries for a long time, sort of into my twenties. Um, and I think then I kind of got jobs that always involved writing things and sort of trying to make sense of the world. So worked in um kind of in libraries had to work for the nspcc for a while in their library talking um doing um abstracts and kind of bulletins to summarize information trying basically trying to kind of put put complex information into a more kind of easily understood um way of sort of presenting that information more easily so I think that's, and then, yeah, various different jobs. And so my background's not social work at all. Totally fell into, <laughs> fell into this well through, through working in information in comms and, um, and got a job in, in social care um, 
in Sheffield Council uh, a long time ago, lots of years ago. Um, and yeah, I just got sort of more and more involved in kind of practice development really and sort of writing about what we, well, how we work in social care. Um, and I think the more sort of I was writing about it, I was kind of thinking these, like, it's so complicated. I, when I, cause I, I had no knowledge about social care when I got the job. <laughs> I, really, I didn't know what it was all about. I didn't know anything. And then, and it's just this whole new world with all this language. And I was like, I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> It's hard. And language can so often exclude. Absolutely. Know, even yeah. people in different areas of social care. Um, I, I went to work in children's services for, for a short period of time, and that was like a whole new language to, to learn. So, yeah. Yeah, and all the acronyms as well. We love an acronym. And then, oh, yeah, right. team names that are acronyms, and just ev they're everywhere. And there's this sort of assumption that people know it and you kind of step into this world and it becomes your identity really that you, you speak this other language um so so anyway we worked and um when i was working in sheffield we worked with partners for change around three conversations approach and um and kind of a big thing they're sort of really promoting is is sort of paying attention to the language and i i sort of wrote something while we were working with partners for change around language as a, as a kind of internal article um <laughs> And then a few people said to me, oh, like, you should write more stuff, <laughs> write more blogs. Um, so I just, I sort of did start start writing and made a lot for me to really make sense of this world and um, and Ooh. the language and why it why it did make me go, hmm. So that came from, that came from a conversation in Sheffield um, around that sort of idea of banning words. And we were like, we don't really want to ban words. That sounds like really extreme and it's not really the, that one the points I think the point is really to sort of be aware of why this language matters why a lot of the current language we use is a problem and um, what it reveals about our practice so so all of that really so that was the sort of the hmm because a lot of the words did genuinely make me go hmm I was like I don't I don't like this language I don't get it it's weird <laughs> these words yeah what is it um and customer it was actually one of those one of the really first blogs that I wrote and um, kind of after the general sort of why language matters one yes. um, because just that whole kind of idea of talking about people as customers it just felt really wrong and I kind of needed to write it down I think to really work out why why, why it was wrong um, so it really helped me very kind of a personal reason really to kind of help me understand things and then I publish the blogs and then people read them which is lovely <laughs> yeah Absolutely. people read them and talk about them and I think it's so difficult sometimes thinking of alternative ways to frame things in social care um, without using some of the the terms, some of those words that make you go, hmm. Um, I, I've spent lots of time over the years when I've been writing something, um, you know, what, whatever it is, an article, a job description. And I know you've done a piece on uh, job descriptions. Absolutely. Um, but, um, but often sort of think now, how do I express this in a really simple way? And there's a there's a real art, isn't there, in being able to express something simply and clearly um, in a way that is consistent with our social care, social work values. Definitely, I think it. I think it is hard. I think it's so ingrained that those terms don't you don't even think of them as kind of a problem almost because they're just so much part of. The language of social care so it is very hard i think to um get out of that yes. things like case i think it's such a big people talking about their, their cases and dealing with a case and working with a case and case load and all of those words that are just all really but they're so they're staring brain so it is very hard and i think it's only when you sort of have a bit of a prompt to, to really step back and have a conversation about and mm -hmm. what do we actually mean by these words? And if you sort of step back and look at the, the dictionary definition often of, of the words, you just think, yeah, that's a bit kind of does actually like assessment. When you think about assessment, is a test and a kind of a judgment. And essentially, we're yeah. sort of judging and testing people and fitting people into boxes and all of that is the sort of. So I think that's because you real conflict there with social work values, can't you? The you yeah. know assessment, um, judgment. Um, and that's not what we're about at all. We're not involved in judging. We're about, you know, um, accepting, being person-centred, aren't we? And yeah, definitely. That is, I mean, it should be about understanding and it should yes. be really led 
And I think for me, the kind of the idea of an assessment is it's all on our terms. It's kind of where we have questions that we have forms that we need to fill in with boxes that we need to pick. And then, um, yeah, and so we are, the whole thing is on our terms and we're sort of setting those boundaries around it, around the conversation, really. And it's not even a conversation. It's just the kind of Q&A. So, so yeah, you're not, you're not, it's not led by the person at all. And I think that, for me, another sort of a, a a language shift that I think is really helpful is, is this idea of thinking about records rather than forms. So if you're thinking about a record of a conversation, then you're just you're making a record of what you talked about. You know, whereas a form is you're kind of fitting the form is driving the conversation because that's yes you're, you're filling in the form. So you have to make people fit and make people's lives and fit into these boxes on a form. So I think that shift is really important. That can shift away from so many forms that do absolutely dominate practice. Yeah. Um, yeah, to to this sort of more much more open blank piece of paper type approach that is kind of like traditional, like old fashioned. Like, before computers took over. Yes, yeah. Having your pen and paper and just making a few notes. So yeah, rather than thinking, oh, I need to ask this and I need to ask this and. Because yeah. there is that tendency then, isn't there, to think I've got to fill in all of these sections on the form and the way that the form is structured as well can break the flow and you can lose who the person really is and what's meaningful that for them, what's important for, for that person, the family that you're working with when you're pre- populating a form. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. Funny, I, I just want to skip back to uh, the word cases or cases. <laughs> And I'm doing this partly from a, a, a sort of selfish perspective, but I hope it's going to be useful for all our listeners as well, because I've been thinking about that word a lot recently. Um, so in Somerset, we've uh, we, we've been doing um, some work on on auditing recently, and uh, the whole of our workforce are involved in in auditing now, which is uh, which is really good. It's all about practice. Um, however, getting away from the word case. I haven't come up with um, with a an alternative word that I think works really well at the moment, you know. And the the word case is mentioned on the audit form, and I'd love to get away from it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really keen to uh, to to hear, I guess, your thoughts, your reflections about the word case and where we might where where we might go in terms of looking for a new way of. But defining uh, what we mean. Yeah. Well, I think case gets used in two ways because it gets used to describe people um, full stop. So I'm, I'm dealing with a case. <laughs> right. oh, complex, oh. People get involved complex cases or difficult cases. Or, so this whole kind of totally dehumanizing way of seeing people. Um, oh. So I don't say so the alternative to case is person. <laughs> working with a person, not a case. Um, yes. So that's a really simple one. That feels so different as well, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. And I think that dealing with as well, because often it is, I'm dealing with a case, suggests that you are, you're kind of in charge. It's something that you're, it's like, yeah, sort of doing to um, manage it. Yeah. Whereas I'm working with a person, I'm working with, I'm working with Carolyn. <laughs> yes. Um, and just like, it's human, it's, it's a relationship then, it's working with. A partnership as equals rather than this dealing with a case it's like one of the many the one of the many cases is heavy caseload so there's all of that the sort of the, the idea of kind of head, the sort of the weight of the cases a heavy caseload the weight yeah yeah that sort of the no, burden the, like this huge numbers i mean and i'm not obviously people i'm social workers are working with loads of people and it there's yeah. huge pressures around that but i just think the case is yeah, that whole, I mean, obviously case, look at the dictionary, and it's about suitcase, baggage, all of that idea. And I think that's a lot of the way that we work is that sort of sorting office approach. It's the production line approach when we're basically sticking labels, like like you stick a label on a suitcase and put your case on a conveyor belt in an airport. Mm-hmm. It's that whole, yeah, that whole approach is kind of label, label someone, like you label a parcel and they go on to conveyor belt through the system. The word baggage as well, that, that yeah. feels really poignant to me. That, yeah, it is. It's that whole it, idea of, yeah. And cases like like bag, like baggage, get dropped and get lost and all of that. Yeah. So 
Yeah. I think there's loads of kind of parallels in that. And then I think um, sort of cases in the person's record, person's story, it's, it's information about their life. It's it's their, it's their information. It's their life. It's yeah. kind of things that are really, really personal details, really important details, or should be. I mean, often they're not, sadly, because often they are fitting people into boxes and it's just like a whole list of what's wrong and diagnosis and and health conditions and medication and all of that and it, all of how people want to like get up and um get addressed and things it's not about people's lives it's not about kind of passions and possibilities and and the things that really matter to people and the people that matter to people and what home feels like to people all of those things that are all about our own who we are our identity um sort of lot i was kind of lost in that sort of case file I mean, it's they're, they're just not nice to spell those case files. They're not. Sort of they're not. In your life to this. Yeah, and I think a lot of the language that we use to complete them as well, the sort of the the judging words that are in there, are they kind of like, I mean, I see, I've read brilliant things people have written about kind of when they've looked back at their case files um, yeah. from, say, from being a child and, um, and all the words, all the terms that are used to describe people as kind of challenging and difficult and just awful, awful labels that are put on people without kind of really understanding who people are at all. So, yes. yeah, I think, I think cases are really, it's, it's a really easy one to change as well. I mean, I'd say that it's obviously not because it's so ingrained, <laughs> but yes. I, yes. I genuinely think it's not, it just talk about people. So yeah. about people, people's lives, records. I think records is the better term um, because it is it's just, that's what it is. It's a record of what's happening. It's information about about the person and the conversations we've had with them, what's happening next. We owe so much power as well, don't we, as social workers, when we're writing somebody's story and what's defining what is, in our words, what is important in the records. And... Yeah. You know, so often as social workers, you know, we will go back to previous assessments um, to 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 get some of the history, um, previous records, and those that the meanings that that come through that are conveyed through those earlier records are really powerful. And I remember um, a while ago when I was uh, working in frontline practice, actually deciding for a while that. I wasn't going to look at records before seeing, meeting with a person yeah. for the first time. Um, and, you know, and, and there, there are arguments for and against, aren't there? So, you absolutely. Know, yeah. arguments about potential risks, things that you absolutely need to know. But actually, it meant going in and hearing that person's story for the first time, um, which felt very different to already having a view that was in my mind um, from from what somebody else had written before. Definitely. I think there are pros and cons, aren't there? I think it's like, obviously, you don't know. You know people don't want to feel like they're in just you repeating themselves. So if you haven't yeah. looked things up, you don't, you're potentially asking things. But, but then if you're going in with no assumptions and no judgment at all, then you genuinely are there to listen. And to, so the conversation is really led by the person and that and family and whoever else is involved in that then yeah it's much more on their terms isn't it and you can you don't have any of those uh, preconceptions and I mean often those yeah just all those labels that are put on people about being um vulnerable or complex or challenging or difficult or all of them I mean they shape they inevitably shape how you're thinking when you then go out go and talk to that person and meet that person that they're going to frame how you're you're perceiving them and kind of Essentially, what you're thinking, you're sort of in that solution mode and thinking, oh, I know, kind of, <laughs> I yes, know, yes. <laughs> I know what the outcome of this is going to be. Um, yeah, so I think, I think, I, I, the other thing of, is trying to reduce, obviously, I know it's not always easy, but just reduce the number of different people that are having those conversations. So you're not kind of constantly picking up and stuff with someone else and someone else and someone else. So you've got a bit of that continuity and a bit more of a relationship. Um, I think yeah. it's different as well, depending on where you work as well. Um, most of my background is working in mental health where, you know, back when I was a practitioner, you know, I'd be working for people with 
often for periods of time, you know, for sometimes for yeah. long periods of time, not very short interventions frequently. So some of the words that uh, that you've mentioned, I wonder if we can explore some of them. Yeah. And uh, um, there's one though that um, I, I always struggle with is engagement. So I wonder if we could just start to have a little unpick of that first, you know, it's so, so, you know, this this person doesn't engage. Well, um, oh. Yeah, refuses to engage, yeah. difficult to engage, hard to engage. Oh, really? <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. Yeah, oh, it's a good one, engagement. I think, oh, yeah, I don't like it um, for lots of reasons. I think engagement, I mean, I think there's sort of a military undertone as well to it, which there is to a lot of our mm. language, so like frontline. Yes. Um, and that kind of officers yeah. and duty and out in the field and all of those kind of things are this kind of, yeah, this idea that we're on the front line, we're at war, who are we fighting? I mean, battle every day. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's not great for a start and something that should be about relationships and people and understanding and everything. So, um, yeah, so I think that's a military team of engaging in battle kind of um it's obviously not good. Um and then I think engagement is very much on our terms, isn't it? We're basically saying you need to come to us at a time that suits us. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We'll we kind of make the rules and if you don't follow those rules and if you don't fit in or do what we say or we ask, then you're difficult or you're hard to engage or you're refusing to engage so that that sense that i mean refusing is another one so you're yeah. not choosing not to it's not the person is is actually say i don't really want that thanks <laughs> but they're being difficult or they're they're refusing so it's very much on there yeah it's we're we're sort of judging people again we're saying like we know how the world should be you're not fitting into that so you're wrong we're right <laughs> Without understanding or seeking to understand yeah. what the barriers are that may be in the way for each person, each family. Definitely, definitely. So it, it's just that kind of assumption that there's a pro the, the problem is with the person. Yes, and, yes. And that we've not, we haven't made any effort really in that sort of, or, or any sort of recognition that maybe maybe <laughs> we're doing it wrong basically maybe maybe we need to we need to kind of be there going out and speak meeting people where they're at um mm-hmm. and especially i mean i think co-production if we come and talk about co-production as well but that whole idea of engage customer engagement or patient engagement oh. or, um engaging like uh, co-production is often talked about in terms of engagement and there's increasing kind of roles in um councils around engagement leads and things Yes, and it yes. does just feel like it's very much. These are our, this is our decision that we want to make, or this is our strategy we want to write, or this is our policy we want to change, or whatever it is. So come to us and tell us. We'll like we want, yeah, we want you to come and engage, yeah. rather than that whole kind of shift is what it should be. It's like how how are things? How are things going? What would what yeah. could be better? We come and see you. We're we're sort of making ourselves present available visible um part of community listening um so that whole power dynamic i think it just i think the engagement term just sort of emphasizes where the power lies really and that it that with councils with social workers who have the um role and it yeah it's that sort of whole kind of structured approach to it and there are some constraints, of course, aren't there, when we're looking at working with people in a, in a different way. So I am going to use the word co-production. There are some constraints, but I, I, I think there's something about being very open and honest and, you know, talking is a different way of being, I think, isn't it? You know, relating yeah. in a very different way uh, and starting by maybe building some trust. Um, absolutely i think trust is yeah trust is essential it's like you can't have a relationship without trust without trust if we're trying to move to a more relational way of working which we obviously are and away from that kind of whole care management process the sourcing office approach um but it is on that relationship so trust has got to be absolutely key to that whether that's kind of just working with an individual person family 
or working kind of with a bigger group with a community or whoever it is you've got to build that trust and often that trust has been lost because of the way that we've worked with people over years and people don't trust don't trust councils or social workers generally um so i think there's a lot of yeah a lot kind of trust has to be earned and that takes time and it and sort of space as well to really explore kind of where people are coming from and what's important to people and who people are and that does require it requires i think social workers and other people involved in sort of working with people and with communities to be vulnerable in that and i think i mean vulnerable the whole that's a huge word to unpick um but i think we need to be more open and honest and kind of vulnerable in how we work with people and sort of really feel like we are on the same side again we're going back to that sort of the front line and that sort of them and us approach and again it doesn't work does it if you want to have a relationship and the relational way of working then you can't you can't do it with that sort of them and us thinking and that sort of whole idea of those people out there, service users, we or need customers to make, cases, who are involved. We meet um, each other as people, don't we? Yeah, 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 just as fellow human beings who are all bringing something. So this sort yeah. of sense that everyone has kind of knowledge and experience and skills and ideas, and we can all bring things rather than yeah. a and knows everything, has all the yeah. answers, has all the solutions in this vulnerable case. Um, is basically just waiting to be told what to do because they're sort of this passive recipient of care being delivered to them. And I think that's the way that we've gone for a lot of years and the kind of care management approach is very much that kind of care is delivered to people in a package. <laughs> package yes, yes, with um, providers. With providers, providers. yeah, and social workers are brokers or you know, the brokerage team. And um, yeah, it's not about humans at all it's all about people just working alongside people and um, so that whole sort of power dynamic i think is yeah it just needs to shift at all levels and kind of that recognition that we are public servants <laughs> like yeah. we're yeah. serving people and communities and i think that's kind of got lost in that in a lot of the way that we work it's sort of very much on our terms and kind of controlling and we know best as professionals and i don't even like professionals particularly as a, a label and I think often in in co-production when when um, co-production is defined it's often that sort of relationship, a relationship between a professional and a user and to the idea that there's kind of that already that power dynamic that takes into that isn't it so I don't mind co-production it's, I know it's a bit of jargony but I think it what? does what it says on the tin really it is it's the code the together working together a bit and actually producing something so I think that's the other thing with engagement actually is um it's very much like we come in terms of co-production it's that we're we want you to tell us what you think and then we'll go away and do something about it so yeah yeah so it's not it's not you know producing something together well, well, when there's a plan or a decision or yeah yeah very different to working with and I, I do think there's uh, there's there can be something around social workers or other professionals <laughs> stepping um, not stepping out of role as such because we still have the social work identity and you know we're employed usually or of course some people are self-employed yeah. but actually meeting as a person with another person or people it involves dropping some of those barriers doesn't yeah. it. Because it, 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 I, I think very early on in my career, in particular, I, you know, I, I had those barriers up as a professional, and I, I sort of embodied what I thought I needed to embody as a social worker. Tried to present in that way. Um, I, I hope over time that more and more of me has come out. You know, but uh, it, it is a big step, isn't it? And it does. I'm going to use that word vulnerable, but it does require. Um, as allowing ourselves, giving ourselves permission to be a little more vulnerable, I think. Yeah, and to let, I mean, the whole boundaries thing is, is a tricky one, but um, yeah, I just think it it is about sort of being a bit grown up about it already. It's very honest conversations and just, yeah, treating people as fellow human beings and 
and just just kind of connecting on sort of whatever level. I was in a, a, a meeting the other day with um, as a team leader, I think, and um, and somebody who's part of our making it real board, and um, and they they kind of were comparing nail mental college and then connect so just like, like those little things that just kind of connect people yeah. but it's just like the everyday human stuff it doesn't have to be that you're sort of telling your life story or disclosing a load of information well, but it's just that it's just making that connection i think that like we are we are also human as well yeah. and i think that is that sort of all those labels whether it's the labels that we put on people <laughs> like service user and customer and vulnerable and all those labels or uh, just the way that we talk about our roles those kind of officers or professionals or um pace workers or whatever all the different terms that we have care managers um they 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 come with assumptions don't they, they come with kind of judgments and they say a lot about our identity and about other people's identity as well so I think the more that we can kind of strip back those labels. So I like to talk about people who work in social care or people who work for the council or just like keep it about people um, rather than these labels that label you as somebody because they come with, they come with judgments, don't they? So if somebody doesn't go out and see somebody and says, oh, I'm the safeguarding officer, then that automatically, scary, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, somebody turning up at your house saying I'm the safeguarding officer. Yeah, it's like, what are you going to do? You're going to turn my kids away. You're going to, like, I've done something wrong. It's, it's like you're all automatically yeah. on that sort of defensive, feeling yes. judged. So, yeah, I think there's so much. I mean, the, the way that we talk about the work that we do, whether it's our job titles or just, really? I mean, you mentioned the blog that I wrote about job descriptions. And that really, it was a really hard one to write, to be honest, because it was so awful. Just the way that we describe in the social work role that it's nothing like what the social work role should be and why social work could come into social work. It just felt like it was. It was about dealing with complex cases and um, assessments and reviews and screening and signposting and just processing people through a system. And it wasn't about being human at all. It wasn't about rights and social justice or anything. It just felt like it was just being part of this production line approach um, and i i kind of felt like i'd hoped that we'd moved on a bit from that and kind of moved further away with the care act and everything and it just yeah. felt like it we were sort of describing a world that isn't what social work should be all about at all and i mean i wrote that blog quite a while ago and i did look recently and not a lot's changed <laughs> the job descriptions were yeah. still we're still very much about the process, not about people at all. I saw one recently, actually, that they didn't mention people or communities or relationships or connections or co-production or anything. It was just service delivery and kind of managing cases and just awful. Yeah, transactional, just really bad. So I think paying attention to the, the way that we describe what we do can really reveal sort of what are what are our priorities here and I wonder what we need to change. Absolutely. And and I wonder if how we describe what what we do could could really help to influence practice as well. Right. And the the activities, the interactions that people have because it's giving permission, isn't it? You know, I think I, I, I do think um and I hear that often people think they need to be working really quickly all the time, targets, and yeah, of course, there is all of that. There's huge pressures, and you know, there, there is a, a tension often around time and doing Absolutely. everything that needs to be to be done. But I just wonder if changing the language that we use might change the whole experience of social work, social care for the people that we work with. And and also for the people that work in social work. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. I think I think there's a kind of a cautionary note that you can you have to change the practice too. <laughs> you can't just change the language because I think yes. and I think that's part of my problem with the term strength based and uh -huh. person centered as well. Like and co production is they become buzzwords and jargon that just and nothing actually changes beneath. So the whole kind of power dynamics and relationships don't change but we stick these 
new buzzwords on and pretend everything's much better without actually addressing any of the things that underlie kind of how we work. So I think there is, yeah, I think yes, change the language, but we need to change the practice too. But there is some really kind of clear, I think, I mean, we've already talked about assessment and talking about conversations and understanding rather than assessing, I think, um, really shift that sort of power dynamic that you as a social worker are understanding what's going on here. So that means that means listening, <laughs> it means reflecting, it means all of those things rather than assessing as a it's a very different um approach, isn't it? It's very much looking at the power is with the worker. Yeah. Um and I think things like um talking about connections rather than referrals and signposting. So all of those words are like I mean signposting and referral is basically go away, go over there. Um, yeah. yeah. Whereas a connection can still be <laughs> but it's but I'm going to support you to get over there and or I'm going to bring someone in and connect them with you or just making that 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 sort of idea of a, a handshake rather than a handoff <laughs> so it's a connection yes. um rather than this sort of just passing somebody on to the next siloed team down, down the corridor or in a different room or whatever um yeah so I think that's sort of connecting like we're connecting with people but also connecting people to other people to support to communities whatever it is i think connection is such a kind of core word that really should be at the heart of what we do um and often it isn't often it's these sort of endless broken connections because that's how we structure how we work we have very siloed teams we structure teams around labels and diagnoses and they don't don't structure teams. I mean, when Doncaster, we're, we're really trying to move much more towards working around places um, rather than kind of putting people into boxes and working with people oh. in that box. Um, yes. Because people fit into lots of boxes, which means people get yes. passed around lots of different teams. So yes, yes. to that sort of place-based, which again is a bit jargony, but um, <laughs> place-based working is literally, where do you live, right? We'll, we'll come and have a chat. Well, come here and have a chat with this place to have a chat um rather than kind of what label do you have which pathway do you need to go down which team are you who are you eligible to speak to <laughs> oh eligibility that's another uh, one that i really struggle with yeah i mean i think the tricky thing around assessment and eligibility is obviously they are kind of ingrained in the care act yeah um but well-being is also ingrained in the care yeah. act is at the very first point of the care, right? Um, and I think that that whole kind of concept of helping just really gets overlooked. And we've sort of we've absorbed the assessments and the eligibility term, determination and safeguarding and everything and as as processes. Um, but the whole concept of promoting well-being and really understanding um, what that looks like for people, and because that's different for everybody. I mean, there's some common themes obviously and that's why I really like the social care teacher vision in terms of that idea of living in a place you call home with people you love communities where you look out for one another and do things that matter to you they're all that's what good lives look like isn't it that is like somewhere to live that feels like home to you people relationships being part of the community sort of that whole participation being part of having that identity and that purpose and meaning and having stuff to do <laughs> that's going to get you up in the morning. I think we like a social care has got into this. Like we we focus on getting people up in the morning and getting people dressed and all of that, but not actually why? Why? Why would you want to get up? Then has you know has the person that we we're talking to? Well, you know, have they got a purpose for getting up? Yeah, dressed? Well, um, it's interesting thinking about strengths based. Because so often that can be um, minimised down into, can somebody get out of bed? Can somebody wash and dress? You know, really reduce down to tasks rather... Oh, very much so. Yeah. The aspirational way that I, I think it was intended to be used in. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think the intention is fine. <laughs> I just think it's got... It's, it's how it's been. Yeah. Because we've sort of bolted it onto this wider system that hasn't changed. So... We've yeah. kind of stuck it on top of a system that is still operating as a machine, really, and the, the industry of social care. 
Um, so, yeah, we haven't really changed those sort of those values. Well, I think the values are there, but they've been kind of stifled by this sort of emphasis on numbers often like kind of write how many assessments have been completed how many reviews how long has it taken all of those the measurable thing and yes. it is much harder to to measure and because we always like to measure things it's much yep. harder to measure how people are doing how people are feeling what their experience was like so we measure the stuff that we can measure so that measure doesn't mean it, the stuff we should be really measuring so um, it brings me on to um, I, I I saw something that you'd uh, you'd mentioned in the words you said we did and you know that words that I see frequently across <laughs> yeah. health and social care you know it sort of follows on from um, engagement in a way doesn't it and feedback yeah you know, and uh, you know services will respond with you said yeah. we, we might be a board on a hospital ward with yeah. these little uh, things of what what has been done. I just wonder what what your thoughts are on on that phrase. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's everywhere, isn't it? I think, yeah, I think it's seen as a really good thing. Like, oh, we've listened and we've done some stuff, which obviously that's good, but yeah. it means we've listened to people and then we've gone away and done it. So if you're talking about it as kind of in relation to working alongside people to co-production, then that's not, is it? Because we basically say, We've listened, which is good, but then we've gone away and done what we think we should do rather than we've really worked with people. So, so the we, so rather than we said collectively and we did collectively, you know, we've had conversations around what needs to change, what could be better, how we could do things differently. Um, and then we've worked it out together. So I think that, that whole shift from sort of you and us <laughs> to we. It um, just might really actually, as you were talking about that, Bryony, that, um, you know, it's you and we, isn't it? There's a real sense of othering, mm. you know, you and we, not yeah. us. Oh, yeah, I, I think, I mean, we, if the we is the collective we, we then that's but, fine. No, yes. <laughs> but yes. often, it's, often it's not. And yeah, I mean, all of those, all of those words are really othering, all the kind of the customer and service user and case and those is my particular one because it just just winds me up because it's so easy to change we talk about those who have care and support needs or those who are most vulnerable or those with long-term i mean we had in covid all the time we let those with long-term health conditions and then it's such such an easy word to change because literally every time i've seen it written down heard it it can be people people with people who but just by talking about those it's just like those it is othering it's distancing it's those over there who aren't us yeah and that that them and us thing is so ingrained i think in the way that we talk and the way that we practice as well so that whole that's why protection i think is really important is that breaking down those barriers that them and us and saying we are we're all in this together. We all ultimately want the same things. We want better lives <laughs> for people. And if we're working in social care, we want better lives for ourselves as well as they, in the workplace. We want to feel like we're doing the job that we came in to social work to do because we want to work alongside people <laughs> and, and not be sticking labels on people and putting people in boxes and ticking boxes endlessly and having pressure to close cases. And that was not fun. Like. The fun stuff is really is really working alongside people, building those relationships, the, having that trust, and really getting something out of that as well. And just that sort of endless treadmill approach isn't it's not a fun way of working, is it? It should be about fun and love and joy and all those words that you just don't hear. Yeah. <laughs> well, we don't those words at all, do we? With yeah, social work and and social care, you know, joy and yeah, possibility, yeah. Change. potential opportunity <laughs> yeah and that's what it should be about really it should be supporting we should be supporting people to live great lives gloriously ordinary lives as trisha nickel talks about and that, that that's not glorious it should life be glorious and <laughs> um, if it's not then we need to be working with people to work out what we can do to prevent so to remove all those barriers and yeah it's not easy i know it's not easy no it's not it's not well, I think it is starting with that sort of where are we trying to get to? What does a good life look like for an individual? Or if we're looking at sort of bigger picture stuff, what does good look like for whatever level of 
things you're talking about. What's, what does it look like and how can we work together to achieve that? Whether it's your own life or yes. bigger, bigger picture things. There were so many things that we could talk about. I, I, I could imagine we could talk for hours. You know? uh, I do hope that you will come back again, maybe when your book is published. And that would be a good time to let everybody know and for us to, to follow on from this. But I'm just wondering, for social workers, um, for other people who are working in social care as well, I wonder if you've got any any advice that you might give or any top tips to social workers and, and others working in social care, um, about how they do their roles or, you know, language or... Learning they're always about to advise people how to do their roles. <laughs> Some people have to do their job. Absolutely know what I'm about. Um, I think just makes the space to have some chats about language um, and that, that sort of reflection on why do we use these words? And I think there's there's quite a lot about identity in that sort of like feeling that you need to use these words because that's how they should talk this, this language. Um, and ultimately, I think it's just about talking and using words that you use in everyday life that this is we're about life we're about people human beings we don't need all this jargon and this label and i think often we we stick labels on to kind of prove a point or make a case or something and that we so so people are extremely vulnerable challenging or complex or whatever but they're kind of meaningless they don't actually mean anything labeling somebody as vulnerable or challenging or complex what do you mean by that so I just think drop as many labels as possible and just, just use the language that people are using um, about themselves, about their lives. It doesn't, we don't need to stick these labels on. It's, we're, we're about people, human beings, lives, good lives. So just don't stick a labels on things. It strikes me in a way that it's almost an unlearning process you know, letting go of those labels and just using everyday language and um, you know, I, I find myself frequently slipping into to using terms that, you know, that I find really uncomfortable. And yeah, it's, I think, making that commitment as well to really yeah. know when those words come in. And, you know, this is something for me, actually noticing when those words slip into my language or I use them when I'm writing and I'm really taking a little bit of time to how would I how would I just say that in you know a normal conversation yeah yeah and it's not easy I think it's easy to slip into the the sort of the deficit based language and the words that are so familiar it's harder to find alternatives often but often the alternatives are just the kind of the plain everyday language that you use rather than all these labels um yeah. so yeah I think it's just just make that space not feeling like it's policing language at all I'm not into that sort of you said the wrong thing, don't say that word. Absolutely. But just sort of really having that time, I think, to sort of reflect why, what does this mean? What does talking about people's cases <laughs> or the term assessment or vulnerable or whatever it is, placements. You know, we haven't even talked about placements. Another oh. one of my real bugbears about how we place people is like, oh. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think there's, I think it really is just, just having those conversations, really, unpicking it a bit and, and maybe being about there's so we were talking about challenging in the week and in the week about the term challenging and how it's put on people as a kind of a negative label but being right. challenging is good like we want we need to challenge more we need to say like we need to stop talking about this stuff we need to change our language we need to change how we're working and i think the more the more we do have those conversations and call it out it does sort of open up that space to think yeah we uh, yeah this is reflecting a way of working that we don't want to be doing it's not good for not good for people working in the system <laughs> and it's good not good for people yeah. um seeking some support and drawing support as well so yeah it's, um yeah i do just feel like we could talk for a long time about yeah we that. could we absolutely could and hopefully you will come back as uh you know as, as i was saying a few minutes ago so because it, it would be lovely to be able to to follow through with some of these conversations, to to take them further, um, I will certainly go away and be reflecting and really 
thinking even more about the language that that I use um, in in my day to day working working life and life outside work as well. I'm just wondering if people are interested, if our listeners are interested in having a look at your blog, which I hope they are because it is fascinating. It's really accessible as well. Some some you know easy reads in there, as you would imagine from <laughs> hearing you talking about the importance of using everyday language. Where can people find your blog, Bryony? Yeah, so it's just, it's the WordPress blog site. It's just rewritingsocialcare.blog. Um, Google it. <laughs> I'm on Twitter. I can't call it X because I just don't, I just can't. Twitter and LinkedIn. And um, yeah, if you Google um, rewriting social care or words that make me go, hmm. <laughs> or just my name probably find it so so yeah do, do check it out and have a look and uh yeah i haven't written as many blogs recently because i've been trying to write my book so i need to, <laughs> to get a few more you on there it, late. <laughs> <laughs> i'm looking forward to having a read once it comes out so thank you thank you so much Bryony, for for giving your time today to to come and talk with me and for all our listeners as well it's been absolutely fascinating and been a really interesting conversation. I just wish we could uh, could talk for longer <laughs> another time, but I really appreciate it. So thank you so much. And I just also want thank to say a little thank you to uh, Sean Taylor as well. Who um, He's in the call with us, but he's behind the scenes. He does all the editing, make sure all the tech works okay. So uh, thanks to Sean as well. And a little reminder, if you do like the podcast, you know, please do subscribe to it and then you're notified when there's new episodes, give us a rating. We've also got an email address. So do get in touch if you've got any questions or any ideas for, for uh, conversations that, that we could have over the coming weeks and months. Do get in touch. You know, we, we really like to hear from you. So thank you ever so much and uh, see you next time. <laughs>